Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. eyewitness account of the birth of her son, and we have been looking at those verses over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue that study today. Now, here's the thing. This is the graphic that we have used all month long in our study of Mary's Christmas, and I, I know, you know, inside of this graphic, there's something maybe that y'all have noticed, and that is that Joseph is doing something here. And I, you know, I've had a number of people hypothesize, you know, is it a lantern? Is, is it a lamp? What is it? And so we, we actually, it's a pretty high-res image. We zoomed in, but that's actually not quite close enough. Can we take it one more level, Brendan? It's an iPad. Um, so you're not going to believe the number of people that have come up to me and said, why does Joseph have an iPad? Um, so there you go. For all of you who have made that joke, now we all get to laugh at it, all right? So there you go. But uh, this, this month, we're not talking about Joseph with the iPad. We are talking about uh, the birth of Jesus Christ and the incredibly significant thing that it is for us. And, and we've seen this through the lens of the things that Mary treasured about the birth of her son. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, it says this. It says that Mary treasured up all of these things, the things that she remembered about the birth of her son, and she treasured them in her heart. And this month, we are treasuring in our hearts as well the things about the birth of Jesus from her perspective. And, and so far, we've seen the angel coming and declaring to her that, that she will give birth to Jesus. And, and we have seen her going and spending time with her cousin Elizabeth at the angel's direction. And she was encouraged by, by her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, but today, we're going to continue that and see what Mary said after she showed up at Elizabeth's house. So after the interaction with her cousin, what did Mary say? We're going to look at that today from Luke 1, 46 to 56. But before we do that, I want to just mention one thing, and, and that is just to make an observation that humanity, you and I, we are people who compare ourselves to others, aren't we? We, we, we find comparisons in everything. And I know at Christmas time, it really happens a lot that we begin to compare ourselves to others, or it goes to a new level. I mean, let me just give you a few examples. You're invited to a Christmas party, and your life is busy, but you're supposed to bring cookies. Which cookies do you bring? You want to stop at Homeland and buy the cookies that are already baked and are there on the shelf, but you don't. Why? Because you're going to the home of someone who is a pioneer woman aficionado. And you can't bring store-bought cookies to Reed Drummond's house, okay? Uh, and so with that comparison, it directs and guides your behavior. Let me give you another example. You want to give your kids a present at Christmas. But you're going to be celebrating that Christmas with other family. And, and you're trying to figure out which present you give, and you know you can't give the 100-piece Lego set if your brother or your sister's giving their kids the 1,000-piece Lego set. And you're trying to figure out what the appropriate gift looks like. It has to compare somehow with, with that. We just compare ourselves in these situations, don't we? 
Or let me give you another example. You just started dating someone. This is your first holiday together. What gift are you going to give? I know what you want to give. Something plus or minus $5 of the gift that will be given to you. What are we doing in this? We're, we're comparing ourselves to some point of reference, whether it's Reed Drummond or our, our sibling's celebration of Christmas or, or whether it's the, gift, the value of a gift given by uh, somebody that we are pursuing a relationship with. Whatever it is, friends, we find ourselves comparing ourselves, and we find ourselves comparing ourselves often at this time of year. Now, this is somewhat trivial when it comes to our celebration of the holidays, but really in our lives... We do this also, don't we? Kind of the macro level of our lives, we, we find a point of reference and we find ourselves comparing ourselves to that point of reference. Whether it is somebody else's life, whether it's some ideal in our minds, whether it's some prior version of us or our family, we compare this year to that year, we compare our family to that family, we compare our life to that life, and somehow we draw a conclusion that our life is either good or bad based on that comparison. What is it that you're comparing your life to today? When Mary's response to finding out the news that she will give birth to Jesus Christ, Mary makes a very uh, faithful declaration that helps us find out what we should be placing as the point of reference in our lives. We, we find out in, in Mary's example what we should be magnifying and blowing up large in our lives that will prevent us from comparing ourselves to the wrong things. We see this in her response in Luke 1, 46 through 56. I want to read these verses for us, and then we'll back up and see what they, they tell us about what we need to magnify in our lives says here, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. Now, in these 10 verses or so that we've read today, I, I want us to see a couple of things about that point of reference that we need to have in our lives so that we don't compare ourselves to the wrong things. And this study really will, will center on two things. And the first thing that I want it to center on is, is a question. That question is this, what are you magnifying? What are you magnifying? What is, what is large in your life? What is it that when you lay your head on the pillow at night, what do you focus on so that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger? What is it that when you begin to get into that real deep conversation with somebody else, what do you constantly talk about? 
and you focus on to the point that whatever that is gets larger and larger and larger. What is it that is being magnified in your life, in your heart, in, in your soul, in your spirit? I think that all of us have something in our lives that we are focusing on. That, and because of that focus, it is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What are you magnifying? Now, we see here in this verse, and we see it right at the, the beginning, that Mary is magnifying the Lord. But before we look at what it meant for Mary to magnify the Lord, let's just think for a moment about the other things that Mary could have been magnifying. What else could Mary have been magnifying in her life? Well, there's a number of things. One of the things that, that Mary could have been magnifying at this point in her life was her problems. Her problems. She could have been magnifying her problems. She could have been thinking about, you know what, I'm, I'm 14 and I'm pregnant and I didn't ever envision being 14 and pregnant. There are other things that I want to do in life before I'm pregnant and now I'm pregnant. It's possible that she could have been focusing on her problems. I don't know if you've um, you know, seen some of the, the, the posts and the excitement on social media about people who are excited to go see the new Star Wars. One that I, that I saw that really caught my attention was, was someone, I, I don't know if it was a child or an adult, but they said, you know, uh, hey, Jesus, I'm excited for you to return, but don't come back before the new Star Wars comes out, okay? Um, there's just this excitement or this anticipation. Sometimes we have things that we're looking forward to in our lives, and the plans of God come in and, and supersede them, right? It's, it's possible that Mary could have been focused on her problems. She was pregnant. She wasn't planning to be pregnant at this point. It's a problem she could have focused on. It's possible that Mary could have been focused on the lack of finances. How are we going to have a kid we can barely pay for ourselves? One of the things we saw a couple of weeks ago was that Mary and Joseph were not people of great means. They were, they were poor. When Jesus is born, they go to the temple. They don't offer the sacrifice of a middle income or a high income family. They offer the sacrifice of a poor family. Mary could have been magnifying or focusing on the problem of her lack of finances. And yet we don't see her doing that. She could have been focused on her problems. She could have been focused on herself. She could have been hyper-focused on herself. You know, the Lord had just come through the angel and said, you will be the mother of Jesus. If there ever was somebody who could point to scoreboard and say, aren't I awesome? It would have been Mary, right? She could have just reveled in that. She could have wanted to talk to Elizabeth about how wonderful she was and how she must have really impressed the Lord with her righteousness. She could have wanted to magnify herself, but she didn't do that. As a matter of fact, the only references in her response that Mary has to herself are all things that talk about how she's been blessed by God. Not that she's earned it, but that God has given her grace, that he's given her things. She talks about how she's of a lowly estate. She doesn't talk about how great she is. She, she talks about how she'll have a reputation that will go on for generations, but it will be because of the child she bears, not because of her inherent value and greatness and performance in life. See, Mary is not hyper-focused on her problems. She's not hyper-focused on herself. She's also not magnifying her people, uh, the people around her. I mean, notice when she opens her mouth and she begins to talk to Elizabeth, she doesn't spend her time talking about, I wonder what mom and dad think. 
I wonder what they're going to think when they find out that I'm pregnant. I wonder what Joseph is going to think when he finds out that I'm pregnant. I wonder what the neighbors are going to think. What's Uncle Bob going to say? What about those busybodies at the synagogue and the, the scuttlebutt and the conversations around the coffee pot or the tea kettle in the neighborhood? I, she doesn't spend her time thinking about what is everybody else going to say about my life and my existence. She doesn't spend her time magnifying her problems, herself, or her people. And because she doesn't magnify those things, uh, they don't get any larger than they already are. But what do we do? What do we magnify? Friends, I I would go ahead and hazard a guess that, that all of us have at least one of these things that we are tempted to do right now. That all of us have at least one of these categories that when we lay our head on our pillow at night, we focus on that one thing and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We focus on our problems. We focus on the cancer diagnosis, the medical test that hasn't come back yet, the uncertainty of that. And as we lay there and as we think about that problem and what could be and, and, and all of those things, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We think about the relationship that's broken the person that won't be with us at the holidays this year because of death or because of some fracturing of a relationship, and it it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. When we lay our heads down, sometimes we get focused on our problems, don't we? And they get larger and larger and larger. We magnify them through our attention that we give them. For some of us, we we get get focused on ourselves, right? We're so focused on ourselves that we want to give our resume every time we talk to somebody so that we can get validation from them that, that we are worth something. We want that recognition, that approval of other people, so we magnify ourselves and our accomplishments. When we lay down at light, night when our head's on the pillow, we think about how can I make a name for myself today? How can I make a name for myself? How can I enlarge my kingdom and spread my borders a little further? Sometimes we're, we're challenged with that, and we're hyper-focused on ourselves, we have a magnification of our own self and worth. For others of us, though, it's, it's not those things. It's magnifying the people around us, isn't it? We find our, our value and our worth in what somebody else thinks about us, the job that we're doing. And their smile and their thumbs up, we find our worth and value. When we lay there on the, the pillow at night, other people get bigger and bigger and bigger if we find our value and our worth in what they say and what they do. You know, friends, one of the things that the Lord has been working in my heart this year is that last one, that I would find my, my value, my significance, my worth in, in the response of other people and what they might think about me or what I'm doing. Maybe that's the thing for you, but I don't know what it is, but I'm guessing that everybody in this room has got one of those things that we have a tendency or a temptation to want to make those things larger, to magnify them. And here's the tragedy of it all. When we focus on our problems or ourself or the people around us, you know what happens? Those things get bigger in our perspective and our God gets smaller. Now, Friends, God is a lot bigger than any of our problems or our people or ourself. But when we focus on our problems, our people, or ourself, those things get really large and our God gets really small. But what we see in Mary's life is this wonderful example of 
not magnifying herself, her problems, or her people. Instead, magnifying the Lord. That's what Mary does. And we find in Mary's life and faith an example that you and I can follow as well. Now, where do we, where do we see that inside this passage? I think it's fascinating when Mary responds, she's in a conversation. When she says this, she's in a conversation with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth has just given this incredible encouragement to Mary. But Mary's response is really not directed towards Elizabeth. She didn't say, Elizabeth, thank you so much. You are awesome. She doesn't say that. Mary is amazingly focused in her response to this moment on the Lord. As a matter of fact, in the 10 verses that we see here, Mary has a direct reference to God 19 times. 19 times in 10 verses, Mary references the Lord. Well, where do we see him? We've got him highlighted here. The Lord, God, he, his, he, his, his, him, he, his, he, 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 his, his, he, his. It's like a Dr. Seuss book. Just over and over and over again, right? You just can't miss it. When Mary opens her mouth in the midst of what she is going through, she cannot help but magnify the Lord, to focus on him. And I believe this was a, a, a choice that she made. In response to the grace that God had given her, she chose faith. And she chose in that faith to focus on and to magnify the Lord and not herself. The Lord and not her problems. The Lord and not the people around her. Now, as she did that, it wasn't just this generic thing. She didn't just, you know, grab a set of beads and just mindlessly say, God, 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 over and over again. She didn't do that. As a matter of fact, when she responds, what she does is she reflects back to the Lord this beautiful song, this beautiful prayer, where she is saying things that obviously are informed by Scripture. Though Mary didn't have a copy of the Bible like we do, no doubt, this is proof that she spent time in the synagogue having the scriptures read and memorizing some verses because when Mary opens her mouth, she is saying back to God truths about himself. She's magnifying him by remembering who he is as revealed through scripture. What does she remember? What does she focus on? What is she making larger? I mean, God is already big, but in her life, God is becoming enormous as she magnifies him. Well, what does she say? Well, the first thing she focuses on is that God is her Savior. Now, I, I love this. I love this because think about this. You know, in our culture, in our world, there's a mythology that is built up about Mary that says that somehow she has avoided original sin, that somehow she has lived some kind of a perfect life. And yet, what is Mary's first comment to God in this situation? She says that God is her Savior. Mary knows that she is sinful. Mary knows that her only hope for salvation is for God's grace, for God to provide a way, for God to provide a Savior so that she could be connected to God forever. Mary knew that was what her hope was. And so the very first thing she does is she reflects on that, saying back the words that the angel had said to her that the child that she bears would be the Savior of the world. She says God is not just the Savior, but God is her Savior. And that is a blessed truth for us too, isn't it? I mean, as we gather here today, if we want to magnify the Lord, let's remember that God is our Savior too. 
You know, Friday was a really a, a bizarre morning for me in that we got word uh, in the overnight hours from Thursday into Friday, I had two family members who passed away. Um, we're gonna spend this week uh, attending memorial services for these families. We got another family member that is hanging right on the edge that very likely is gonna die in the next day or two. And so it's highly likely that the next two weeks for the Robinson family are gonna be spent remembering the lives of those who have gone before. And here's the thing that I want you to know. I'm so thankful for God being our Savior. Because of who Jesus is and what he has done for our family members, there is hope in the midst of our grief. There's hope in the midst of our mourning because God is our Savior. One of the things that, that we can do to magnify the Lord is we can remember what he has done for us and we can remember that God is our Savior, that in Christ there is forgiveness, there is hope, and there is eternity. She continues on and she talks about the fact that God is, is mighty, that he has done great things for her. I think it's wonderful when she wants to focus on the Lord, what she does is she doesn't say, God, let me tell you all that I've done for you. I gave this up, and I, I took this trip, and I listened to the angel, and I'm carrying Jesus. She doesn't give her resume. She doesn't say, what have I done for you, God? Instead, what does she say? The Lord has done great things for me. Her perspective is different. It's magnifying the Lord and his work and not herself. And there is peace in that because God has done way more for Mary than he would ever get from Mary. And guess what? God has done way more for you and for me than we will ever do for him. And so when we gather to talk, we have way more to talk about. If we were going to spend our time and have our orientation about what God has done for us. You know, we often do this in prayer before a meal and prayer before bedtime but they're great opportunities for us to just pause and remember all of the great things that the Lord has done for us. It's a way that we can magnify the Lord. Not only that, but she talks about holy is the name of God at the end of verse 49, referencing his character, thinking back to the, the declarations of Isaiah 6 and other places in the Old Testament of the holiness of God. His character is perfect. There is no blemish in him. We... we She's, she's remembering that truth about God. We find great comfort in knowing that our God is holy and perfect. But you know what? When we think about the holiness of our God and his perfection, you know what we ought to think of immediately next? His mercy. And that's exactly what Mary does. In 49, she mentions the holiness of God, but in verse 50, she says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Because when we remember the holiness of God, we have no other place to turn but to hope that that holy God is also merciful. Because he is holy and we are not, and the only way that you and I can have a relationship with God is on the basis of his mercy and not our performance, because he's holy. He's not good, he's perfect. Our only hope is in the mercy of God, and so Mary remembers that, and she declares to the Lord, she's thankful for his mercy. She's magnifying the Lord, and not only that, but then she moves on, and she thinks about all the promises inside of the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah, there are a number of things that are referenced when the Messiah comes, where the, those who are, are downcast will be lifted up, and those who are oppressed will be released she thinks about those things, how this world beats people down, but Christ lifts them up by his grace. And she references a number of those things, and 
verses 51 and following. She talks about the Lord giving through the strength of his arm, scattering the proud, bringing low the mighty, but exalting those of humble estate, filling those who are hungry with good things. It's a remembrance of what the Lord is doing through the person of Christ. It's worth it for us to trust him and to follow him. She remembers this, and suddenly her God is big and her problems are small. Not only that, but she continues on in verses 54 and 55, and she remembers the faithfulness of God. She talks about how God helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to their fathers. What's she meaning there? She's talking about how God had been faithful to his promises. There were a number of promises that, were, that God gave throughout the Old Testament for the coming of Messiah, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden and repeated throughout the, the testimony of the prophets and the law throughout the Old Testament times. Mary is mindful that the child that she is bearing will be the one who delivers on the promises that God has made in the past, that God has been faithful and so by reflecting on the character of God and reflecting on the presentation of God's revelation through the Old Testament scriptures, Mary is magnifying the Lord. And as she does so, God is getting bigger and bigger and bigger in her life, in her mind, in her soul, in her problems, in her people, in herself are put in their proper place and perspective as a result. So the question, friends, is what are we magnifying? Are we magnifying the Lord? And how do we do that? Well, you know, as we gather as a church family, you know, a lot of why we gather and the things we do when we gather is, is done to remind us of the opportunity we have to magnify the Lord. You realize it's very intentional, the things that we do here? I mean, why, why do we sing? Do we sing just because we need to kill some time at the front end of the service? Do we sing just as the opening act for the, the sermon or something like that? No, absolutely not. We sing very intentionally because collectively we are focusing our attention on the greatness of our God. We are declaring truths about him over and over and over again so that we would know them and learn them and remember them because they're to tunes and they lift our emotions as we declare these truths to God. That's a very intentional thing that we do because it's magnifying the Lord. It's not focusing on our problems. It's not focusing on ourselves. It's not focusing on what others think about us, but it's declaring back to God who he says he is and what he has done for us. It's an opportunity for us to magnify the Lord. Not only that, this is why we study the scriptures, why we encourage you to read your Bible throughout the week, why we encourage you when we come here to open your Bible and look at these verses, why I'm not just up here, hey, I just need some, to fill some time. Let me tell a couple of neat stories and try to entertain you so that we can move past this while the kids are in some programming. And it's why they're over there not just killing time, but opening the Bible too. Why is it that the scriptures are central to all we do? Because in them, we have the revelation of who God is. And it's an opportunity as we open it up and as we read it, just as Mary did centuries ago, for us to magnify the Lord, to make him large. And, and as he gets larger, our problems get smaller. Or really, they're the same size, but they're put in their proper perspective compared to the greatness of our God. This is why we share testimonies, whether it's in your small group, 
your Sunday school class, or, or whether it's as we gather in a couple of weeks on Sunday morning the 31st as we share a number of stories of the way God has worked throughout this last year. Um, and if you've got a story that you want to share that, that highlights the greatness of God, go online, wildwoodchurch.org slash praise, and let us know about that. But it's an opportunity for us to remember that God has been at work. We, we, we magnify the Lord in, as we reflect on our experiences because as he is large, we have the proper perspective to understand our problems and our people and ourselves. Friends, what are you magnifying this year? Through Mary's example, we're reminded to magnify the Lord. Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look at your word today. Thank you for uh, helping us through the encouragement of your word to get the proper perspective, uh, to compare ourselves not to others, but to ultimately find our mind finding its point of reference in the person of Jesus Christ. Father, may we have the faith to trust you even as Mary did in the midst of challenges and difficulties in this life, that we would magnify you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.